I am Grandpa, and I love you. I'm Grandma, and I love you too. Welcome to our podcast, Grandpa and Grandma Bedtime Stories. We share some stories that will make you laugh. We share stories that might make you cry. And we share stories that will give you courage to choose the right. And these bedtime stories will help you to dream sweet dreams. So get on your pajamas and say your prayers. Turn out the light and hear our story tonight. This is a story about how important it is to share time and energy with people that you love. Relationships are more important than most things we do. We should take good care of our relationships, especially with our family members. In winter 1984, your grandma Juanita and I lived at 338 North, 600 East in Provo, Utah, with Sarah, age 5, Jeffrey, age 3, and Aaron, age 1. It was an old two-bedroom house that made lots of creaky, sometimes scary noises. Juanita's dad, who we called Grandpa Ray, had bought the house for us to live in rent-free for the two years I was studying for a Master's of Organizational Behavior degree at BYU. That was very generous of Grandpa Ray. I hope you can be generous, too. Grandpa Ray liked to fix things up. Because it was a hot summer in Provo and the house had no air conditioning, he installed a ceiling fan in the master bedroom. It helped us feel much more comfortable. We loved him for it. However, the ceiling was low, and so Grandpa Ray told us we had to remember to not put up our arms high in the air where the fan was spinning. Can you guess why? (laughs) Yes, the fan had metal blades, and we didn't know what might happen if we put our hands into the fan while it was spinning. One morning, I was very sleepy and not thinking well yet. Are you ever like that? Well, I forgot what Grandpa Ray had said. As I took off the T-shirt I was sleeping in, my hand hit the fan. Oh, ouch! I immediately knew what I had done. I looked quickly to see if my hand had been cut off. And it was gone. Oh, no, just kidding. My hand was still there at the end of my arm, but it hurt like the dickens. Man, it hurt. And I had a big bruise for a couple of weeks after that. I recovered, and I learned a lesson to never stick my hands into a fan. I hope you'll learn that lesson, too. In fact, every time I took off my shirt after that, I remembered. Even now, sometimes, when I take off my shirt, I remember that fan. This ceiling fan caused great excitement another time. Juanita and I noticed that it wobbled a bit. We thought it was kind of cute. One morning, Juanita was in the living room feeding baby Aaron. I had slept in a little bit and got up and went in the kitchen to get some breakfast. In a few minutes, I heard a crash, boom, from the other room. The fan had fallen off the ceiling right onto the bed where I had been sleeping just minutes before. Yikes! The fan looked alive on our bed as it tried to spin while the sheet twirled up in it. It would have been funny, but it was actually quite scary at the moment. I quickly turned off the fan and said a little prayer of thanks to Heavenly Father for protecting Juanita and me. Apparently, the wobble in the fan had loosened it 
where it was attached to the ceiling, and it fell. Grandpa Ray was so sorry that this happened and put the fan up again with like 97 bolts so that it would never fall down again. But even with those 97 bolts, I never quite trusted it. While I was getting my master's degree, I had to study a lot and didn't take enough time to be with Juanita and our children, Sarah, Jeffrey, and Aaron. I wasn't taking good care of our relationships. Then an experience happened that changed my life. I wrote an article about it and submitted it to the Ensign, which was the church's main magazine. They wrote back telling me they liked the story and would publish it and even sent me $50. I looked in the Ensign every month for a couple of years, but the article was never published. Then 14 years later, I was getting my Ph.D. at Utah State University in Logan, Utah. One afternoon, I came home from campus, and Juanita was on the telephone having a very interesting conversation. I could only hear what she was saying. Yes, he is my husband. Yes, he is good to me. Yes, he is still active in the church. In fact, he is our bishop. I wonder who it was on the phone asking those questions. It turned out to be the ensign, and after 14 years, they were going to publish my article. Before they published it, they wanted to be sure I was still a good guy. So now, I'm going to share a slightly modified version of that article, which was published in the July 1998 issue of The Ensign. You can look it up online if you want to read the original version. Well, are you ready? Here we go. Juanita and I had three children, and she was pregnant with our fourth. I was a graduate student, and Juanita stayed home with the kids, so there were many things we couldn't afford, including a dishwasher. When I did the dishes, it turned into a quick, efficient system that would eliminate wasted motion. I could usually get dinner dishes done in 12 to 21 minutes. I thought that must compare favorably with even those who had dishwasher-equipped kitchens. One morning, Juanita was battling a particularly tough case of morning sickness, so I decided to skip school and stay home. I suggested Juanita sleep in, then I explained to Sarah, my kindergartner, that I was helping Mommy because she was sick. Sarah quickly caught the spirit of service and asked if I would help her wash all the dishes for Mommy. I looked at the kitchen. Almost all the dishes in the whole house were dirty but I estimated it would take no more than about 28 minutes to do the job. I agreed to help Sarah. Immediately, I went to work, systematically sorting the plates and dishes and putting the glasses in the dishpan first. Within a minute, Sarah was in tears. It's no fun, she cried. You're doing everything. I wanted you to help me. And she stomped off into her bedroom and slammed the door. I thought about it. She was right. I had agreed to help her. So I decided to help Sarah do the dishes any way she wanted, instead of trying to do them as fast as I could. I quietly approached my five-year-old with a sincere apology. I'm sorry. I'll help you. Tell me what you want me to do. She immediately brightened up, took my hand, and led me back into the kitchen. Well, Daddy, she began enthusiastically, I want you to wash those plates. 
then I will rinse and dry and put away. I worked at her pace, washing one plate at a time. She talked with me almost nonstop, often pausing with a plate in her small hand. I paused with her. First, she talked about her friend Stephen, and then she talked about a television show, Little House on the Prairie, that she'd seen the night before. Eventually, she started drawing me into the conversation. Daddy, what do you do at school all day? I told her about the classes I was taking and teaching, being careful to explain things in terms she could understand. As I talked, I realized how little of my world I had shared with her. Next, we washed the bowls because Sarah thought they were fun to stack in the dish drainer. Daddy, why don't you stay home more with me and Jeffrey and Aaron? I told her I had to study a lot. Well, why do you have to study so much? And I couldn't think of any explanation that a kindergartner would understand. It makes me so sad when you go away every day for so long, Sarah continued with tears in her eyes. I was moved. I wanted to hug her and tell her I loved her and promised to take her to the park and anywhere else she wanted to go. She regained her composure. Tell me a George Washington Hill story, Daddy. So while I washed the silverware, I told her stories about our favorite ancestor, George Washington Hill, who had a long red beard and met his wife in the woods. That's actually a great story that I'll tell you later. After the story, there was a long pause. Daddy, I didn't pass my test at school yesterday. I looked over at my daughter and saw the hesitancy in her face. I didn't know how to react or what to say. I wondered what kind of test they could be giving her in kindergarten. So I just smiled and asked, Did you try hard? She brightened up, Oh, yes. That's okay, then. As long as you do your best, I'm happy. She became more thoughtful as she carefully dried a dish, and she poured her heart out to me. Today I really want to pass that test. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to practice it and practice it, and then I'm going to pray and ask Heavenly Father to help me. I know He'll help me. Then she laughed and clapped her hands in joy. I'll pass that test today. The dishes were done. Through blurry, tear-filled eyes, I looked at the clock. It had taken an hour and 15 minutes to do that 28-minute job, but I was sorry to see the last swirl of the dishwater run down the drain. Sarah and I had talked almost the whole time. This had been a special talk for us, a talk where our feelings for each other were clearly expressed, a talk that strengthened our relationship and love. Helping Sarah had been so much fun that in the afternoon she and I got Jeffrey to help us shovel the snow and ice off the driveway. Again, we took nearly an hour, but you should have seen Sarah beam as she told me she'd passed the test. But I didn't do it alone, she said thoughtfully. You know who helped me, don't you, Daddy? We exchanged knowing looks. I did know who had helped her, and as I made a silent resolve to spend more time at home, I knew who had helped me that day, too. I hope all of you will take the time to be with those you love. Remember, family relationships are more important than almost anything. Please take the time to strengthen your relationships. 
We hope you enjoyed tonight's bedtime story. We hope you felt our love for you. And we hope you will have sweet dreams tonight. We love you so much.